0: Hi, my name is John Casher, and welcome to Cash Talk, where there'll be no boundaries and a lot of straight talk, all things money, business, and just everyday stuff. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cash Talk. And here today, I've got a very special guest, a long term friend of mine, Jackson Milan. For people that don't know Jackson, Jackson is an award winning financial advisor and also referred to as the wealth mentor. And, hey mate, um, I am going to run through a little bit of the accolades um, just for people that don't know Jackson. Um, he's an author of an international bestselling book called Enjoy the Journey, Creating Wealth and Living the Life You Desire. That has been featured in best, on the bestsellers list in eight different countries across 15 different categories. Jackson has spent the last 12 years working in the wealth and business strategy space, having worked with over a 1,000 clients to help them build over $1.2 billion in wealth. Jackson has personally scaled multiple seven-figure businesses and helped many of his clients to do the same. And, mate, from a friend's perspective over a long time, it has been amazing to see the journey. And uh, for people that are listening, uh, Jacko, who I refer to him as, is uh, has just made the move into a nice... Uh, little place that he's now in, uh, used to be in the Burbs and now bought himself a rainforest. So, mate, we might start
1: there. How's the rainforest going for you? We're loving it, mate. We've got 70 acres here. we back onto thousands of acres of World Heritage rainforest. We've got cassowaries here every day. Um, it's... Yeah, we're, in, we're in our element. We're, uh, we're looking to create a, a sanctuary for entrepreneurs and animals. Uh, we want to get, because uh, those are two very similar things, as you <laughs> know, very well, John. Yeah. Uh, we, we want to get entrepreneurs who are typically very highly strung, very busy, very highly stressed people um, connected back to uh, kind of holistic living and uh, being able just to enjoy things outside of the business. We were just talking off air um, that we've been able to prove that there is a direct correlation to growth in your business to the time that you spend out of your business not thinking about your business and um, so I'm really looking to create uh, really a, a distraction for entrepreneurs to be able to, uh, to to recharge the batteries reconnect with their families uh, and uh, ultimately grow and scale to create financial freedom like we talk about all the time Awesome, mate. And and, and, and mate, I can back that
0: up for, you know, I bought that uh, holiday house about 12 months ago. And, and for me, just being able to kind of get away to do that has helped me to really take off in the business. I can see a direct correlation to being able to fill up the cup as we kind of talk about it. Um, but, you know, before that, I really kind of struggled with the whole concept of, say, buying a holiday house. You know, it was this kind of this purchase that I'd, I'd go and make and you'd make no money out of it but what that's given me in regards to my energy and my positive frame of mind um, has just put me into that kind of real visionary space in that idea generator, which is, has been amazing. So um, we could talk about our places, but mate, most of the people that will be listening today will want to know from us about some of the crafts in regards to wealth and business. And if you don't mind, Jacko, I've, I've got some questions that I want to kind of run with and obviously we can talk for till the cows come home. Um, so First and foremost, um, tell me, how'd you end up working in this space and why are you so passionate about it? And what I want to kind of talk about is maybe on, for everyone who listens, Jacko started as a financial advisor and we met in Sydney oh, probably nearly a decade ago um, and was, for all intents and purposes, a traditional financial advisor, but thought about the world a little bit different. So decade now. What I'm more talking about is you're passionate to move into the business space and really to work with only ambitious people who want to take these things to the next level.
1: Yeah, it all starts with my parents, John. Uh, my parents were business owners. Mum was mm-hmm. a hairdresser and uh, dad was a bit of a jack of all trades. What's really funny is I only discovered after I went down to become a, an advisor that dad was actually a financial advisor with National Mutual and AMP. He was an old lifey back in wow. the Wow. There you go. I didn't realize I've still got his yeah. National Mutual and AMP uh, uh, ID cards. They were
0: the old but boys, mate. They were they the old, old boys. boys, mate. And,
1: yeah. uh, and the, the big issue was that they just always struggled with money. And they were hard workers, worked 16-hour days, taught me really good values of, hey, if you want to be successful, you need to work hard for it. But there was a problem. Like They were working for money as opposed to money working for them. Mm. So as a kid, I actually wanted to be a vet. I love animals. Still to this day, I love animals. But I, got, I was never really given good advice around how to get on the right path. And I was, I was shit at school. I, I never applied myself. I was a, well, the typical bright kid that mm. needs to apply himself. I'm yeah. sure you probably read that in a few of your report cards as well, Joe. Yeah, oh, i resonate uh, with that one. <laughs> and I, I was getting close to graduating. And I asked my dad, I said, dad, what should I do? I want to make a lot of money. And he goes, Jackson, if you want to make a lot of money, you need to be around money. You need to work with money. And I took that really literally. Mm-hmm. So I started researching to become a financial advisor. And at the age of 19, baby faced probably looked about 12, I went and got a traineeship at a place called the Financial Advice Center. Mm-hmm. And the Financial Advice Center was basically a glorified call center. Mm-hmm. They were flying under the guise of being financial advisors, but they were flogging commission based products to people like my parents who didn't need them. Mm-hmm. And there was 400 people on a, in a bullpen in the city that were on a dialer that were making hundreds of calls a day. They were high-fiving and ringing mm-hmm. bells and clapping hands and who were whenever they made a sale. And it was a toxic environment. I hated it. Mm-hmm. And I I just like, wow, is this what financial advice is supposed to be? And I've come this close to quitting. Mm. But just when I went to quit, and actually before I got fired from this job, mind (laughs) you, I asked myself, well, okay, if I'm going to go and do financial advice the right way, how would I do it? And I had this idea of being an educator, a wealth educator. So I started jumping around and I worked at the big banks. That's where we met. And once again, all of these places were the same. They were all under the guise of providing life-changing advice but primarily pushing product and this is when i realized something needed to change so i've been the term financial advisor and i started creating this term that i call a wealth coach and where above all else my job is to educate my clients around the language of money and help them use money as a vehicle for creating financial freedom and then i discovered that people could do that with their business too and yeah, sure, we can focus on wealth creation, but in order to create wealth as a business owner, you need to have a profitable and sustainable business. So I started helping teach my clients how to use their business as a wealth creation vehicle to supercharge their trajectory to financial freedom. And actually, now we've helped our clients build over one point five billion dollars in combined. Wow,
0: gotta gotta update the intro, mate. It's it's amazing how your journey has got you to where you are today, and it's amazing how if you if for listeners that early seed, for example, where he was struggling at school and stuff like that. If we had to dive deeper into that, I'm sure that this is your problem solving, um, your problem solving scenarios that are coming in, which you are applying today in these businesses that you're working with and these entrepreneurs because it's a constant, this problem solving. The other thing as well too, Jackson is, and I can relate to your story because my journey is very similar. Those, those banks and that kind of center that you were in probably because of our value alignment pushed us to be where we are today, which is so not that, you know, so coach driven, so strategic based, so really about achieving goals. You know, I know we work with sprints and 90 day action plans and all of that stuff, which we didn't learn about, you know, in bank world, it was literally about financial products. So, you know, you know, obviously we've got a very close relationship because we're kind of going down the same pathway in regards to helping clients fill this. And you mentioned the last thing is really around fulfilling financial freedom. And I want to talk around business owners and maybe non-business owners. And we'll talk, Frank, because we only do. People who work for someone are ultimately trading time for money. We spoke about the, that before with your, your parents, okay? And probably the reason why I me and you are business owners is that we quickly understood that we can't do that forever. If you're going to trade time for money, when it comes to financial freedom, you're only going to get to one point. So was that one of the also the reasons why you kind of worked with business owners? And and for people that aren't business owners, uh, how do they elevate their income? Like, is there a way yeah. that they can maybe use this as a, no, I like my security, but I'll kind of want to side hustle it a little bit?
1: Yeah, what's really interesting is that as an adult, I've been diagnosed with ADHD, right? And <laughs> why I- Why is that
0: not surprising?
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> It's why I was a terrible student. It's why I was a, a terrible employee from my own evaluation. But all of my bosses thought I was fantastic hmm. because as a true capitalist, right? Like, and let's let's face it, right? For you to be successful in the way that the world is built, you need to be a capitalist. And to be a capitalist, you need to understand capital. And yeah. there's only two capitalists, there's, but there's time and there's money, right? Hmm. And what I worked out as an employee is that my best return on capital is to Try, negotiate my salary and do the very bare minimum required to validate that salary. Mm. Because the only variable that I can control is that my boss is paying me a certain amount. I'm contracted for 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So the only variable that I can control is effort. Mm-hmm. And the aim is to earn that money with the least amount of effort necessary. That's why I was a shitty employee. Mm-hmm. But also, I hated politics and I call a spade a spade. Mm -hmm. So I was never going to climb the corporate ladder. Mm -hmm. So I realized that, okay, I need to put effort in things that aren't congruent with my values in order to Mm -hmm. get that next pay rise. And it was just, and it was the wrong asymmetrical risk versus return. Mm -hmm. The risk was far higher than the return for me. So I go, okay, fuck this. I'm going to go out into my own business. Mm -hmm. My first business was a flop. Mm -hmm. And my first business was a, 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 was a total Mm write-off. And I got started in that first business for the wrong reasons. So, When I was working for NAB, I went through my Mm -hmm. first corporate restructure Mm -hmm. uh, where all of my peers were getting laid off and losing the trail on their books. Mm -hmm. Um, I was lucky that I only got a a $20,000 haircut on my salary, which was huge at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a huge cut. Mm -hmm. My old man got diagnosed with, with stomach cancer and his income come to a grinding halt. And even though he was an old lifey from back Mm -hmm. in the day, and he should have known better. And I'd bugged him for years to sort out his personal protection. He always Mm -hmm. said to me, Jackson, don't worry about it. It's all sorted. And I took his Mm -hmm. word for it. My biggest mistake ever. Mm -hmm. He didn't have adequate protection. Mm -hmm. And I spent the next 12 months trying to make Mm -hmm. ends meet to save the family home, put food on the table. Mm -hmm. And through that, I went blindly pursued a business, a fashion business Mm -hmm. that. I'd never designed a piece of clothing in my life. I'd never Mm -hmm. built a website in my life. I'd never done online marketing, never dealt with supply chain, never done any of these things. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely exhausting. Mm -hmm. And sure, we had some success. It got to a multi six-figure business. Mm -hmm. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting on stock in hand at any point Mm -hmm. in time. And I fucking hated the business, hated Mm it. And I go, shit, okay. Through that process, we got saved the house. Mm -hmm. I ended up multi six figures in bad debt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was ready to go bankrupt, John. I had two choices. I said, fuck, I can hit the big red button Mm -hmm. and clear everything and wait seven years to start again. Or I can commit to following something that I'm truly passionate about, treating money as a consequence of that passion, Mm -hmm. and earn my way out of the situation. And that's the decision I chose. I donated all of the stock to charity. Mm-hmm. Hit the reset button completely. I needed to clear my conscience, mm-hmm. and I committed one hundred percent of my attention to wealth coaching.
0: Let me ask you: the if you can remember through your mind at that point in time, were you in survival mode? Like, was it like I can't go backwards, so all I can do is go forwards? And then that energy propelled you for greatness.
1: That was the energy that propelled me through my entire life. Yeah. of moving away from pain. It's what, how my dad did things and how my mum did things. They knew that how to get themselves out of a shitty situation and mm-hmm. it was through creating that habit that they constantly found themselves back in shitty situations. Mm-hmm. Because one of my mentors said to me, the situations you learn to survive, your survival ultimately depends upon. This is why many people find themselves back in the same abusive relationships with the same partners. And they're like, fuck, how do I end up back with this dickhead again? <laughs> and it's the same thing for me. That Don't they I kept, learn the first time? Yeah. It's, exactly. But it it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that subconsciously mm-hmm. you put yourself back in those situations because you've learned mm-hmm. to survive them. And it was only through identifying the pattern and shifting it that I not only earned my way out of that multi six figures in bad debt, but I've now been able to build a $5 million business, mm-hmm. multi seven figure net worth. Mm-hmm. And I've got 30, 30 team members with over mm-hmm. 800 clients around the world um, and be able to create financial freedom at 32. So the reason why I tell you this is that. Money wasn't my motivator, John. Never a motivator. Mm-hmm. My motivator was lifestyle and, and using my purpose as a way of making profit. Because I'm be a big believer that if you do the right thing, profit will be a byproduct of doing the right thing. And you need to do the right thing well, you need to do it the right way. Um, and that's the only reason why we've been able to, to amass this level of wealth. Um, but it doesn't matter what you do. You could be an employee, you could be a business owner. You just need to understand what are your drivers. Mm -hmm. What are the variables that you can control and what Mm -hmm. is the outcome that those drivers and levers can help you achieve? And once you understand those calculations, like me of Mm -hmm. maximum income with the least amount of effort when I was employee Mm -hmm. to where I am now, I understand Mm -hmm. the levers that drive real value. So, so let's just break this up
0: because that experience is massive and, and I've had a similar one. I had spinal surgery. I thought I wasn't going to walk. Um, that if I identify that point in time and the acceleration of growth from that point, it was that real back against the wall scenario that pushed me to that. But what I want to what I want to discuss is let's go back to this kind of employee kind of self employed scenario, okay? And self employed, we I love working with self employed people. It's probably because we share a lot of passion together. Um, but I find their ability to get to financial freedom also much quicker because they can elevate their income. They've really got that lever that they can kind of push on to go to that next level. You've got the employee that is in that comfort zone and they may want to kind of stay in that. They've got the security that, let's be honest, they go five thirty, turn off the turn off the tap. They can still get the financial freedom. They've just got to be aware that they're going to probably get there much slower than someone who's got the lever on that. Okay. And so, I then get some people that go, I want to do side hustling. So let's yeah. speak about side hustling because I'm not, I like side hustling as a kind of, maybe just like a toe in the water. Yeah.
1: But if you're going to do it in my scenario, you just do it. Yeah. you got to go What's balls your- in hundred percent. Let's just do this. If you do multiple things, you're never going to do any of it. Well, right. And so, Whenever I see people do side hustle, yeah, test the water. If, if you're conservative in nature, you don't want to go balls deep in something until you've proven it, then sure. But you've got to realize that there is always a J curve. There's a J curve that when you leave your your cushy job and your employment, that you are going to have a drop in income. But by committing all of your time and attention to that business, it is going to far accelerate trying to keep your foot in multiple camps. There are very few side hustles that are going to be sustainable long-term that don't have a cost. Sure. You might end up financially better off, but at what expense at the expense of your health at the expense of your relationships and um, at the expense of, of lots of other things that, that could be, that you have to spend in as a result of getting that result. So I think you need to make a call. Your call needs to be, For you to replace your corporate salary, what is the path of least resistance? And I do this with my clients all of the time. Look, as an employee, I still believe that there are a lot of jobs out there that do have as close to uncapped earnings as you can think of. The big problem is most employees just don't have the conversation. So most employees take what they're given, they go, oh cool, I've got a 5% pay increase, thanks for that. And then they just accept that for what it is, as opposed to having a value-based conversation. Because John, and look, with, with, with the risk of uh, potentially having a few of your team members reach out to you after this <laughs> to ask you for a pay rise. But I tell my team this all of the time. Mm-hmm. If I was your employee and mm-hmm. I come to you and I said, hey, John, these are all of my KPIs. Here's mm-hmm. the dollar value that mm-hmm. I've been able to contribute to AFA over the course mm-hmm. of the last 12 months. Mm-hmm. This is the slice that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. I believe I can add an extra 100 grand on value uh, uh, on the top of that if you give me a 25 grand pay increase. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say? Yeah, let's do this. Let's
0: make this work. Yeah, because um, it's it's ROI, right? And you're funny. You say this because in my business, we're all performance based. So yeah. we actually, we actually, the more value they bring to the table, the more they get paid, and it's a win-win for both of us. And I think you have hit the nail on the head that in most jobs, in most organisations, that doesn't happen. And Correct. probably like you, Jacko, you also have low levels of staff turnover. Hundred percent because they're rewarded for their efforts, they know exactly what they need to achieve. And on and listen, as an employer on the on the on the other side of this, hey, if they're not achieving, they know why they're not achieving as well too, yeah? And this Correct. this is an on-performance basing myself as well. So when you kind of think about the business hat and the employee hat, yeah, I'm an employee for my own business. I've got the same KPIs, got the same measures, okay, like every single one of my employees. I kind of use the analogy I'm not the I'm not the coach sitting on the sideline. I'm the captain of the team. Yeah, I'm on the field with you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, definitely. Hopefully, not, no one leaves. But uh, yeah, no, they, they've got good, they got good KPIs and, and performance base, which is, I think, for any Beautiful. business or employee, that is the arrangement that you want to be in. I think it's the culture you want to be in, and be very much aligned to the vision of that business. And Correct. for me, on that, on that point. It's not all about money. Let's be honest. Life is no. not all about money. I know you 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 um talk very much as, uh like me in regards to you know how building a lifestyle business. Okay. Really, you know, the money is not the goal, it's the vehicle to the goal. And so when we talk about even employees, the, the working arrangement that you've got, the culture that you're in needs to be the right one, needs to be happy. Of Actually, while we're on this, another one that comes to mind is you've recently gone to a four-day work week. I hear. Yep, so correct. Uh, explain to me that one because you know, for most employer, for, for most employees that are listening or employers, that's a bit of um, you know revolutionary. But for me, there is a little bit of backing in regards to the studies of this. So Jack, let me know.
1: Yeah. Well, look, personally, I do a three-day work week, um, and in my last business, we went to a four-day work week, and we achieved ninety-five percent growth in the year afterwards. Now, Aureus, we've been around for four years. We've done a lot of acquisitions. There've been a lot of integrations required. And to my own, to, to, to my, as my own fault, I didn't reintegrate it into this yeah. business. But of late, I said, look, why not? Everyone mm-hmm. deserves it. Mm-hmm. And the point here is that your value of your employees should not be measured by the amount of, ta- amount of time that they're spending sitting in their chair. Um, we're in the outcomes business. And if we can get the outcomes in one hour a week, I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we basically created an initiative that mm-hmm. basically, as of now, we're doing a four-day work week. There's four mm-hmm. days in the business and there's one day working on the business. Mm-hmm. And then that one day working on the business, setting up all of the systems and operations mm-hmm. that as of January, everyone goes four days, where they don't work Friday. Awesome. And no one will ever leave.
0: It's, it's a great scenario to be in, and I think you can
1: probably see this from,
0: from me and Jacko. We're very much invested in our people, um, and for the business owners that are out there, it is probably one of the biggest core pillars of getting your business right. Yes, you got to have the money and the matrix and the, the value proposition and all of the rah-rah, but the reality is if you've got a bad culture or you don't have the right people in the right seats... Your business ain't going, going far too quickly. And for an employee, okay. if you're not in that right seat or you're not doing or you're not in that right culture, well, are you in the right place to be able to traject, traject your career where you wanted to go? All right. Um let's stick with the business one. I just wanna I just wanna you've run a few businesses, a few successful ones, and obviously been working with a lot of successful businesses. If you had to say maybe two or three things that you find common or or keys to those success, successful businesses, what do you yeah. think
1: they are? Yeah. We've broken business down into five stages because I've had okay. some businesses that have been a, a huge success, some businesses mm-hmm. that haven't worked and, I've really tried to distill that into a science because Mm -hmm. really our focus in business now is acquisition Mm -hmm. and we're aiming to double the business over the next 12 months to get Mm -hmm. to 10 mil. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately I want to make myself redundant out of the business where the Mm -hmm. business actually doesn't require me to, Mm -hmm. to, to, to grow Um, It can fuel itself. Mm -hmm. And the big problem is we go through these five stages. We've got Mm -hmm. battle stage Mm -hmm. where the first biggest issue is that most people have built a value proposition based on what they think their clients need, not on a real world issue that is needs to be fixed right now. And the first thing you need to do is get your positioning right. Understand your market, understand their pains and gains, get clear on your client avatar and try and serve a market that is one inch wide and a, and a kilometer deep. People just cast their net too wide. And when you cast a it too wide and you try and help too many people, then ultimately you end up being a generalist once again and it doesn't help you serve anyone. I, sell, once again, once
0: close, you- I sell clothes to everyone. Yeah, exactly. rather than I sell clothes to, uh, um, you know, a particular range of age group and so, so exactly. really niching
1: there. 100%. Get really cool in the niche and make sure that you test that model, continue to refine it to make it that your ideal avatar have, it's an absolute no-brainer for them to work with you. They shouldn't be, oh, that's a nice-to-have thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll come back to that next year. It's just mm-hmm. not a priority right now. No, I need to have this now. Otherwise, I'm going to die. That's the idea. The second thing is nailing your sales system. The problem is that most of us are technicians, right? We've worked for somebody else and we said, oh, that dickhead's making heaps of money. If I went and started a business myself, I'm gonna make all of that juicy money that he's making. Mm-hmm. And we normally get into business because we are good technicians. we are good at doing the thing that it is that we do, but we're not very good at sales. There are very few problems in business that more sales can't fix. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about building your systems and processes and mapping out your back end and systemizing your delivery. Just go fucking sell. Just sell more, work out how much do you need to sell to be able to hire more people to deliver? Because it's far easier for you to find good technicians who are shit at sales, who are more than happy to say, hey, John, you can do the sales. Just let me do what I'm really good at doing and just take that responsibility off my plate. Maybe other failed business Mm -hmm. owners. We've done that with our acquisitions right now are all businesses that don't want to do the sales, don't want to do the business stuff, just want to deliver. Mm -hmm. Simple, easy to sell to them. Mm you taking the th- one thing they hate off their plate. You just got to get good at it. Mm-hmm. And then once you build up your delivery team that you can deliver consistently on that, then you now start phasing yourself out of those, the last two pieces of the puzzle, which is sales. And then the last thing is marketing. The problem is that I see far too many business owners who want to focus on delivery, hand off their marketing first, and then they try and hire salespeople, and then they hire delivery. The marketing is the one thing that you need to learn how to do. And this is one of the biggest and most costly mistakes that I ever made. I, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, like ludicrous amounts of money on fucking marketing agencies that sell you the world and deliver bullshit, a bullshit sandwich. Um, because you're just another number. A marketing agency is never going to help you scale a business unless you understand how to market on your own. They don't know your language. They don't know your lingo. That's why this format of podcasting is so powerful because it allows you to distill your voice and then put this into all of these different formats that you can get across all of your channels. And it's all, it's all you.
0: Every time you speak to a marketing agency, they're like, we'll take you on, but um, we need you to do the content. Isn't what's not the, the content, point? isn't the content the stuff? Isn't the content yeah. like, I am the content, so you exactly. you spot on. Um, and I think with marketing, what I've started to learn in myself is that you want them to be the doers. Yeah, you want them Correct. to be the doers, not the Correct. idea generation machine. Yeah, that's it. That needs to come from within.
1: Hundred percent. They need to execute, and you bring them in to do tactical things. Once you've got your core strategy sorted, you need to convince yourself that you love marketing, that you're going to live and breathe marketing. And when you do that and you actually enjoy it, then you crack the code. Um, and then really the last part of all of this, which really should come first is you've got to realize that your business is a vehicle for profit. Stop reinvesting back into scaling and, and growing your business. It's all a bunch of bullshit for you to, to justify it to yourself or maybe your wife that you, you're mismanaging your profits. And um, take money off the table, build wealth, and factor in a plan that your business can fund its own growth. Don't don't
0: feed thing- don't feed the cash eating machine, as you say Jack. Exactly. Don't feed exactly. the cash eating. I love that term, and it's so interesting speaking to business owners, and it's already interrupted for speaking to business owners that they keep on just putting it back into the business. And you know we are we are you know advocates of, of a profit first system, um, which is kind of a little bit controversial um, because you know we're we're of the system that. You know, why'd you go into business in the first first place? To make a profit or we'll take that off the table, as Jacko is saying. Take it off yeah. the table. So, yeah, definitely some great tips there. Um, now, you're talking about converting that profit into business, uh, into personal wealth. And this is something that we obviously work very closely with as well to making the, the making that. And obviously, we work with employed people as well where Jacko focuses on business owners. Um, when we convert it to personal wealth, um, uh, our values are very aligned and our philosophies are very aligned. Uh, Jacko, that's why we've always got a line, especially in regards to wealth management and wealth creation. We've talked about businesses and maybe their problems and what that like come key steps for them, but maybe for the personal wealth guys, you know, and we're talking about this can be for per- this can be individuals or couples or, or business owners. What are maybe three or four things that you think that they need to kind of nail on that side? And,
1: just some problems you see. Yeah. The first thing is the biggest mistake that people make is they don't know their financial freedom figure. Yeah. Go, I need to create wealth. I need to create passive income. And they either don't have a number at all, or they pull a number out of their ass. Mm. And like I've had people come to us who are only earning like 200 grand a year and they go, mm. I want a million dollars a year in passive income. Like go, mate, you wouldn't even know what to do with a million dollars a year in passive income. You'd never live that lifestyle so sure if we crunch it and we work mm-hmm. out that that's the lifestyle that you want sure but mm-hmm. don't just pull the number out and because yeah. it pats your ego yeah. Um, we yeah. need to get clear on it so what you need to do and i do this myself mm-hmm. i actually did this over the weekend i do this yeah. every 90 days mm-hmm. is do a personal profit and loss that's mm-hmm. out what we call the dirty b word budget um, and <laughs> personal profit and loss yeah. and work out what your life costs now then save a new version yeah. And then put in the things that you believe it would, uh, you would want when you're financially free. You're not working or you're working to the level that you want. And work out in today's dollars, what would your lifestyle cost? Mm. So for me, it's about $200,000 a year. Yep. Then use a tool or work with an advisor or wealth coach who can actually help you work out how much net wealth you require to achieve that the level of passive income. There's a simple formula that we use a bit at the back of the envelope. You take your financial freedom figure uh, you divide it by five and times it by 100. So if I want 200,000 in net in passive income, I need 4 million net wealth yeah. and then reverse engineer that backwards to understand how you leverage the three levers. Lever number one, how much can I afford to contribute? Lever number two, how much risk am I prepared to take? And then lever number three, how long am I prepared to wait? And ultimately, that allows you to work out what you need to do to be able to get there. And then what this allows us to do is then turn that into a tactical wealth creation plan. How many properties do I need? How much money do I need to put into index funds? Um, Do I need to do anything else? How do I use ways to magnify my wealth using leverage? There's other things we can add on to it. But without the roadmap, you're pissing in the wind and you're flying blind
0: and I think you I think that's you you're spot on those levers um, the roadmap we very much focus a lot on the roadmap and people so many people overestimate what they can achieve in 12 months but underestimate what they can achieve in 12 years and by utilizing those levers you um, Oh, mate, you can make magic work. And I think the other one that people underestimate is how simple it is. And so you don't need to create complex strategies. You create simple ones. And those simple ones are the ones that you can stick to. And, you know, we probably get like you, we get, oh, is there anything sexy we can do with this? And I'm like, well, no, boring's good. Like boring's been tried and tested. And when it comes to money and wealth creation, boring is the best. It's the boring's good. It's the sexy stuff where you can play with fire. Yeah. It's it the fucks sex- you out.
1: One of my first mentors who taught me how to be a good advisor, he said, Jackson, play with your partner, not your portfolio. If you want to get sexy, go home and be sexy with your missus. <laughs> but stop trying to punt on stocks that Uncle Bill told you about on the weekend that he reckons is going to 4X because he knows some guy sits on the board. It's all bullshit. It's all the Fergazi. Yeah, there, there's only three ways to predictively manufacture wealth in this world. One, build wealth into your business. Mm-hmm. That is not reinvesting. It's about understanding how do you turn your business into a saleable asset because you don't want to sell your business until one day you do. Your business should always be ready for sale yeah. because if something happens with, either within your control or outside of it, it's ready for sale. And not only that, it, it, as a mechanism of increasing its value, it's also increasing the profitability. Secondly, buy good quality blue chip properties based on the five key fundamentals. Net migration, more people need to be moving somewhere than are leaving. Diverse employment, there needs to be a good range of employment in the area. Infrastructure spending, both public and private. People need to be spending money to keep people there. Future supply, don't buy smack bang in the middle of the city and don't buy on fringes where they can build endless house and land packages as far as the eye can see. And affordability. Can the local people afford for the property price to go up? If you understand those five key fundamentals, you're going to buy good property and then buy index funds. My strategy is super simple. I buy a Vanguard high growth, diversified index fund. I don't worry about the asset allocation. They manage $8 trillion. They've got far more capacity to know what the market is doing than me. And they're just mirroring the market. So in one fund, I have 5,000 underlying investments. And all I need to focus on is reviewing my contribution every month and, and increasing it.
0: And it's funny you say, and that is awesome and spot on. Um, these these boring old strategies that people are like oh, so he's talking about blue chip property and blue chip stocks in a business. Like, yes, it's boring. We, are, we both know that, yeah? But property, stocks, and business is what made the Forbes top 100, the Forbes 100%. top 100. Yeah. Um, it's not the, you know, getting the mate from the local, you know, the, the hip from the local plumber around the corner. Yeah. It's not from that. Exactly. And I think the other one that we I, I'd want to kind of finalize this on is how we both view our own money. A lot of people um, are very shocked when they hear that. I don't look at the stock market every day. I don't need to like, we have obviously done our learnings based on, you know, very, very well-known people in the industry um, who, with, you know, we're talking about Warren Buffett's, the Benjamin Graham's, the Howard Marks of the world who have billions and billions of dollars of wealth. And they don't need to look at the stock market. We don't need to look at the stock market. i got a comment today from a, a follower of mine. Um, John, can, can I have your tip on Do you think that the stock market's going to crash? And I nicely replied, I don't know. Um, no one does. We don't have fortune-telling capability, yeah? Like, as in, but also, I don't really care as well. When you're talking about doing those monthly contributions, you've got your strategy in play, you're not really caring about what's going on in these in these auctions, yeah? Correct. That is happening all the time.
1: Exactly. What you've got to realise is wealth is a game against yourself. And the battle that you are fighting is the battle for the default decision. Is the default decision to take action or is the default decision to do nothing? And the problem is that for the vast majority of people that we work with when they first start working with us, and I'm probably talking upwards of, of 90%, the default decision is inaction, doing nothing. I just wanna wait and see or I'm just going to spend the money, or I'm just going to reinvest it into my business. And our whole entire system that we call the Wealth Mastery Machine is about converting them from inaction to the default action being action. Because if I can condition you to default act to action every month, money into the stock market, every year buy one or two investment properties, every year be building more value and more profit into your business, you are going to retire an immense multi-multi-millionaire.
0: That's the default. Yeah, default. And and you're not really top. Like, there's no timing in this, guys. Like, for the people that are listening, it's not going in and Jacko and his team are going. Oh, wait, we're going to wait till July this time. No, no, no. This is the plan. This is the execution. This is what we need to do and making it happen. It's that action and then being able to dial up. So you got to think about it. Like, let's say you're getting more income coming in. You got more profits, or you got more disposable income. What's happening is, is that you know, my team, Jacko's team, we're winding these things up yeah, to bring all of this stuff that you want this financial freedom, this time that you stop trading time for money sooner and in exactly. personal wealth. And that's where the conversion from business profits to personal wealth is the game changer because you'll be able to walk in like me and Jacko are fortunately in the position and we're choosing to work, not having to work. Exactly. And that, that is the purpose.
1: And we call it money muscle memory because all of these people who are waiting for a correction, I guarantee you that 99% of them will not act on the correction because they'll think the market's falling further because they don't have the muscle money memory. It's like going to the gym Mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to fucking squat 300 kilos one day Mm but I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to train today. I'm just going to wait to go to the next weightlifting competition, right? And then you rock up to the weightlifting competition and they've got 300 kilos stacked onto the rack. I guarantee 100% you're not lifting that. Yeah, and if you do, you're going to hurt yourself, right? So what we're training is we're getting people to squat with the barbell first. Cool. Get the form right. Perfect. Great. You got the form right. Cool. Oh, maybe you've got a little bit of a niggling injury. Maybe you've got a little bit of a pulled muscle. We're going to teach you to work with that. Then we start putting more weight on the bar. Mm. Now, like We've done this with clients who have $100 million businesses. I had a guy, he's been one of my biggest clients that ever come to me, massive business. Mm-hmm. And the Playboy lifestyle, private jets, first class flights, sport, like supercars, mm-hmm. renting beach house mansions, not a dollar of wealth. Yeah. And I said to him, I like, go, mate, we're going to start your portfolio with $500 a month. And he goes, Jackson, I spend more than $500 a month on a Saturday at brunch. Like, $500 is not going to do anything. And I go, exactly. Are you going to miss $500 if we get it wrong? No. Cool, let's start. And then the next month, went to $2,000, then to $5,000, then to $10,000, then to $50,000, then to $100,000 a month, which was still a drop in the Mm. ocean in the grand scheme of this Mm. guy's income. Mm. But it was a momentum building exercise. We are putting weights on the bar. He'll get to the Olympics.
0: Hundred percent. And for the people that are listening, we intentionally start people smaller and build them up because it's, this is exactly what we're talking about. If we can get that momentum happening, okay, and that muscle memory happening, okay, you'll get to achieve great things. It's just the also the thing that are, like attacks people is that oh, but I want it to happen tomorrow. That instant gratification, guys. Real wealth, generational wealth. Is not built in two seconds. Okay? okay. It's built over time. So the all of this stuff that we're talking about, it's intentionally trying to build you to build a legacy that you can leave for generations to come. We're not talking about this and the wind comes through and then it falls over. Yeah. This is sustainable. Well, for a long period of time. Um, and 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 to say, you know, for us, you got to remember where me and Jacko both came from. We came from an orientation where it was sales, quick. Quick bucks, you know. You know, try and you know, not. I wouldn't say for me it was the get rich quick schemes, but they were borderlining on that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Where we walked away from that, we Absolutely. saw the writing on the wall, which is intentional. Which is, it needs to be goal based. You need to have a strategy. You need to have the right roadmap. You need to have the right mindset. You need to have all of this incrementally happening and planting seeds to ensure that you got fruitful trees later on, That's mate. It. Jacko, we could talk for hours. I may have to have you on for another time. Um, but Anytime, mate. mate. It, it has been an absolute pleasure once again talking to you. Um, for listeners uh, or for viewers, if you want to check out Jacko, just type in the Wealth Mentor on all social platforms, and you will find the man. Um, he's a like I said, he's an international best-selling author. Um, he's been features featured on the Ten Network as well on Studio Ten, um, mate. Once again, thank you, and I'm sure we'll speak soon.
1: Catch you soon, brother.
0: Thanks.